0: What's going on, family? It's your boy, Manuel Godoy, and we're here for Episode 2 of The Ultimate Guide to Self-Publishing by Black Sands. Now, the goal of this podcast show is to turn you into a successful business owner, and for those who are writers or artists, an amazing self-publisher. As such, it's time to talk about The Big Pledge. Today, you need to make this pledge. I will dedicate my craft to perfecting the systems and processes taught in this course. I will do the homework. I will study the data I collect. And one day, if I play my cards right, I will be able to buy my first home with the money I earned doing the thing I love. So in order to get to the pivot point of 100 a year, which is the goal of this session, we should probably talk about your first and second year Expectations. And what we did during that time. And by we, I mean, I am proud to present my wife, Giselle Godoy.
1: Hello guys, my name is Giselle Godoy, the owner and CFO of Black Sands Entertainment. I am a wife, a mother, and a successful business owner. I was um, featured on Shark Tank back in January 2022. That episode was Phenomenal. I hope you guys watched it where we secured a deal with Kevin Hart and Mark Cuban. So, yes, so, so glad to introduce myself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, first of all, this is going to be more of a discussion than the typical um, structure because we're talking about our experiences today. You know, me and Giselle, we've been in business for a long time, about five years now with Black Sands Entertainment. So we got a lot to say now. We want to get you in three years to making 100000 a year. That's what we want. That's, the, that's our goal for this entire podcast is to get you to that level. So we first got to understand what happened in the first two years, right? So I'm going to throw this question to Giselle, and she'll tell me her experiences in the first year. So, Giselle, what was our first year like, according to your memories?
1: So during the first year that I remember, we did our first Kickstarter ever. So our goal was to raise $4,000, but the fans liked our content so much, we ended up raising $20,000. And with that $20,000, we was able to make, at the time, the name was called Kids to Kings. We made the comic book one and two with that money, and it was a success.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it was definitely one of those things that was absolutely crazy. Right. And then we spent like the next eight months literally developing content to go to market. And once we had our first books, uh, we went to a small convention in Atlanta. Uh, I think it was uh, Anime Week in Atlanta, right? Yes. How was that experience?
1: So during our first year, we went to Anime Weekend Atlanta, a great convention. We made a lot of money. The fans were so excited about our stuff, our books, and it was just a rewarding experience for us.
0: Yeah, and since it was the first time that we actually were attending a convention as sellers, right, we really had no clue what to expect. So um, one thing is, you know, the big secret of our company is, while I might be a very entertaining guy online, like at shows, I have a hard time stopping people and getting them to convert. But Giselle, I, I don't know what it is, but maybe it's just a smile or something, but she could stop people all the time. It's crazy how much she stops people, right? She just funnels them in, and we would convert them. So we had an amazing experience the first time we went to a convention.
1: And I love that experience because we we had systems in place. We thought about how we was going to, like you said, funnel the people in. You know, I would bring the people in and, and get them to convert, and Manuel would check them out. So that was my job, y'all. That was my job to get the people to come in Look at the product. They got excited about our product, and they bought. And Manuel, he was the guy that was checking everybody out, you know. So it was great how we just came about to come up with an effective way to sell our books.
0: Yeah, and um, one of the things that we were chasing was also regular sales outside of conventions. So in Christmas time, we were like, "Hey, we're big brain people. We're gonna go and make some money during Christmas." Uh, so I'll set up my online store if that works, right? But more importantly, I want to get this kiosk in the mall in Hoover, Alabama. Giselle, how did that go?
1: You know what? That was <laughs> the kiosk in Alabama. Okay, so we paid $1,400 that I remember for that kiosk. It was during the Christmas season. And we end up making a profit of $5,000. It was a lot of hard work because people would steady go past you. They would not just come up to you. So I had to stop and bring these people in, you know, people that I don't even know, you know, I had to go and stop them. And Manuel, like he said, he had a hard time bringing people in. But I'm really good at just eye contact, going up to talk to people to make them comfortable, to show them the product. So it was a lot of hard work, but it basically taught us how to sell our product.
0: And uh, the funny thing was, while we were there at this kiosk, you know, grinding just to make, like, you know, this $5,000 that we did that weekend, I mean, that season, you know, uh, one of the things that was crazy about it was, like, at the same time, I was going online making memes on my Facebook page, and they were just going viral and viral and viral. Every single post I did was going viral. I was running ads, which I never ran before. I was just doing boost at the time because I didn't know much about ads, right? But we did $5,000 the kiosk but online we did $45,000 through Facebook ads on Shopify so while we're out there trying to get these books out you know packaging them at home right trying to sell I mean you try to ship all these packages before Christmas one of us got to be at this stupid kiosk for 12 hours a day so we were like what is this We're, we're trapped here making pennies right we're out here making pennies compared to the dollars we're making online where we don't even have to be there so, you know, it was a real awakening for us at that stage. And, you know, I, I couldn't be more proud of Giselle for helping me out in that situation. I get stressed out when I get stuck in a place for too long, and she knows all about that. And, and so she was a really big um, benefit to us at that time. Um, and then let's talk about year two, because in year two, that's when we finally understood what was going on with our, with our business, right? We were like, hey. We actually get it now. We actually know how to make money. Year two is when things got crazy. We had booked like twenty conventions. Uh, Giselle, please tell tell the crowd about you know booking the conventions, you know setting up your schedule for travel, and what's the expectations?
1: Yes, so I was in charge of booking every last convention, which took a lot of hard work because some of the conventions that I applied to we got denied. You know, so I had to book the con- convention. Me and Manuel had to get together to see how many books we was going to take with us. So we had to check what their attendance was going to be like at this show. So that's very, very important to know the, um, how many people will show up, the attendance. And um, it was just a great
0: experience. We also learned from our competition. So when you're a new kid on the block, you see a whole bunch of people who are selling books as well, right? And you get to learn from them. Some of them have been there five years already, right? They've, they've been doing the gauntlet for a minute. So you get to learn how they set up their booths, right? How they're positioning themselves in the convention. And you learn a lot of little things about conventions as well that will help you significantly succeed in the future, right? Because if you don't know this stuff, if you're not prepared on what you need to know about conventions, you know, you can lose a lot of money doing conventions. You can actually go into the red significantly, so that first year, we, I mean, that second year, we were experimenting 20 freaking shows. To put it in perspective, what 20 shows means, typically it takes at least three to six hours to drive to a convention if you're going at least two to three states away, right? So three to six hours of driving, no matter what, both ways, hotel, right? You get your, you get your inventory, Um, and everything else. you got to have some way to bring the inventory, which means you most likely need an SUV or some kind of wagon on there. There's a lot of stuff you got to do just to do shows properly, right? And we were doing it.
1: And I remember going to New York Comic Con. At the time, we were living in Alabama. So we had to drive from Alabama to New York Comic Con. That was like an 18-hour drive, you know? (laughs) It was an 18-hour drive where we were so excited to go to New York Comic Con because that was our very first time to attend, and it was well worth the long drive. Besides those conventions, you made our online store go nuts. I still don't know how you did it.
0: Well, Giselle, you know, one of the things that I was learning from that last month in the first year was that, you know, memes sell, right? Talking to your core audience matters. And I quickly learned in year two of, you know, our company, that our fans were not comic book fans. Our fans were parents, parents and their kids. And parents need to be talked to a little differently than comic book fans, right? It won't matter about how intricate the story is for a are and stuff. That's not what's going to get them excited. What is going to get them excited is about black history before slavery. So that's what we started pivoting on. We started marketing and tailoring our message to the significance of education and culture for our people. So we started doing that. And in that year, we did 200, no, we did $150,000 in sales on Shopify, direct to consumer online sales. Now, that's crazy for a second year, but we were absolutely killing it in ads. We were killing it in organic traffic with Instagram and Facebook, and our YouTube um, series that we funded through the first Kickstarter way back then. That went well. We also did multiple Kickstarters as well. So we did a Kickstarter for the first Pharaoh. We did a DVD Kickstarter. We had raised a lot of money because one thing is we don't cut off the different types of revenue that we could bring into the company. We don't just stop making money in different ways. We constantly go for new opportunities out there and we exploit them. And that leads us to year three where we refine all the amateur mistakes we did in the past And now come with a plan that leads to high margins, right? We want to keep the money we make, right? We don't, you know, we're spending a lot of money to make money in year two. In year three, it's time to refine that bad boy so we can keep it. So, um, Giselle, what are the couple of things that we threw out immediately in year three?
1: So the things that we cut out on our regular business operation is fulfillment. Fulfillment was getting out of hand. We couldn't keep up on orders. So we decided to hire a professional fulfillment center to do the task for us.
0: Yeah, that was actually a really good one because, you know, I literally just broke down. Like I was like, I can't do this anymore. Giselle Giselle likes to save money. So she was out there. She was like, hey, I'll do it. I don't want to pay this fulfillment center. But I was like, look, Giselle, I don't want you locked down on this as well because we were getting close to like 800 orders in a month, right? That's eight hundred packages. You got to hand seal and and see all this stuff, and then deliver it to the mailing. It was way too much work, and all this time we're doing that, we're not making books, we're not selling product, we're not going online and showing you our pretty faces. None of that stuff. So, so, so uh, you know, I just think you know it was a bad move. So we had to get rid of it as fast as possible. use a fulfillment center, and honestly, it didn't hurt us one bit. It just made it made us better. Um, We also cut out some shows. What were some of the key factors for why we cut out certain shows from our
1: tours? So when we went on that 20 convention tour, we analyzed which conventions was worth going, which ones that we made the most money. So out of that 20, we probably kept like only five conventions that we actually went to that we made the most money. Yeah,
0: sometimes you just got to understand that, you know, there's a lot of travel involved, a lot of cost involved whenever you go to shows. So if shows is typically roughly, like for us, it was about 30% of our income, right? So since it's not a major part of our income, we don't have to go to shows every five seconds. We just go to the couple of the biggest ones we have and make our bang for our buck, right, in a minimal amount of time in a year and just move on. So that's what we did. We We refined that hardcore. We also started pivoting toward uh, raising capital, right? Yes. So we were planning for that. We didn't do it in year three, but we were planning for it. We were starting to build our business corporation properly with all the books and accounting. Oh, yeah, we hired accountants, didn't we? We did. Yeah. Giselle was like, you know, IRS is going to lock us up if we don't start <laughs> doing the proper accounting. So uh, what, what? why did you get an accountant? Why did you start working on that in the first place? Like, what was the reason behind that?
1: So for the accounting aspect, you have to have strong accounting books. You have to make sure your books are well prepared for the CPA reviews.
0: Yeah, it was very important to get accounting right because at the end of the day, once you start raising capital, you're going to have to have your books done by a CPA, right? They have to review your stuff, right? Might even have to audit you later on if you're going to spend or you're going to raise like a million dollars like we did. So you have to have all that stuff prepared because, you know, you don't want to repair this stuff after you already paid for a CPA to go and review your stuff. It's just going to end in failure. And, you know, eventually, you know, we started really solidifying our profit margins. We started getting books cheaper. We started selling a lot more books at a time. We didn't have such a wide variety of books in our hands and 17 different titles. We had books that sold. We made decisions on which ones to sell and which ones to stop printing. That was just business moves that we did. And it worked out for us big time because now five years in, that two hundred thousand dollars that we did in our second year, right? I don't even think about that anymore. It's not even a factor for me, you know. But but back then it was the world. And you guys, hopefully, you'll get to that point where you'll be thinking about the times you did a hundred thousand in your third year, and then two years from then, you're not even gonna think about that. You're gonna be like, wow, you know. That was a crazy moment in my life, but now I'm way past that. I'm big, and that's what I want from you guys. I think it's going to be amazing. So long as you take this seriously, we're going to give you homework. We're going to give you homework. We're going to give you a lot of work, a lot of real-life experiences. We're going to tell you about the scams that are going to come your way. We're going to tell you about all the things out there, and we're not going to charge you a dime for this entire thing. All you got to do is spread the word, let people know about what's going on, At the Black Sands Podcast. So let's go ahead and let's move into our actionables. First, you need to be thinking about disposable income you can allocate to being a creator or entrepreneur. The bottom line is this industry costs money. It just does. Especially if you want to do comic books or children's books, you got to draw this stuff. So if you're going to be doing that, you need to bring money to the table. Right, Giselle?
1: Absolutely right.
0: Yeah, and secondly, if you're married, definitely think ahead about dividing responsibilities and having your spouse involved. Not being involved in a successful venture will cause resentment eventually. Share in the wins and losses.
1: And lastly, make sure your friends know about this podcast. Share it, guys. Review it on Apple Podcasts. And let's keep growing because the more of you there are, the harder we will work to keep you interested.
0: And that's facts right there. You know, Black Sands, we don't lie. We always multiply. <laughs> so let's go, baby. We are moving the charts, man. I think we like in the top 20 right now. And we're number two in Nigeria. I see you, Nigeria. I see you out there. So let's keep making them moves. Let's keep making big plays. We are growing faster than I could have possibly ever dreamed. And, you know, if we get to the top, man, the sky's the limit. We might have a a new show coming out for you guys where it's just the Black Sands lore, a Dungeons & Dragons version of our story featuring a -a Petamok and MSME. If you think that needs to happen, then remember, review us on Apple Podcasts so we can keep climbing those ranks. And then we'll do that special show for you. We'll hire everybody out to make it amazing. All right? So thank you guys so much. Manuel. Giselle. We out. Peace.